Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We have John Crosby, our transitional pastor, and we're so excited to get more time with you, John. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, I'm glad to do it. I think it's fun for you guys to be trying new things, and it's a, it's a way for us to have a touch deeper with a sermon that always feels too short to me, even if it feels too long to other people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of the point of this, is to go a little bit deeper, to try something new, and we're just happy that you are on our first ever Menlo Midweek <laughs> podcast. Cool. So uh, like we said in our trailer, we have a couple questions that are prepared, so we'll walk you through those. Jess, would you like to ask our first question? Yeah. So if you could just give us a quick summary of your message from this past Sunday, we did, we'd launched our new series around the table that's taken us to Easter. So why don't you let us know what that was about? Well, as we talked and thought and prayed about this, we, uh, we thought it'd be neat to take as many of the different ways that Jesus ate or drank out of the Gospel of John and see what we could do to learn from Jesus as as he eats. And so Mm -hmm. this is the first of those that John records. It's in the second chapter of of John's Gospel, and um, they're at a wedding, uh, probably not too far from where they live, uh, but in that wedding ceremony, Everything's to go seems to go fine, but afterwards in the feast that the family is supposed to throw, they run out of wine, and Jesus's mother comes up to him and says, "Hey, they're out of they're out of wine. Do something." And Jesus says, "I, I don't know why you're asking me." And being a mom, she just overturns that immediately and turns to the servant and says, "Do whatever he tells you." And so Jesus uh, has them fill the jars with water and without any hocus pocus turns it into wine and it's the first of the signs that Jesus really is the Messiah gives a clue to some of the parts of his mission and it says at the end and his disciples believed in him or mm-hmm. put their faith in him mm-hmm. so it's a really important first story yeah I also liked how in your message you you kind of broke down why we're focusing on John as opposed to the other three Gospels. I thought that was particularly insightful in your analogy of the street corner where we have three different views of the same accident, but then we have one of a bird's eye view. I thought that was really well said, and I didn't ever think about it that way before, but I really like that. Well, it actually, it helps when you get somebody who, uh, like my professors in college and seminary, have made this their their life's study. And when you read it again and again and again, you start to notice Mark's tone being different than Matthew's, and Luke always brings something different to the table. But then, if they're brothers, John feels more like a cousin. Mm-hmm. Same family, but he, he looks at things from a, a different starting place. And that's part of what makes it fascinating to have all four of the different stories. Yeah. Well, John, um. We, we love the, the summary, and you must have put an immense amount of thought into this first message of our series. I'm just curious, was there anything that you wanted to say that maybe you had to cut out or didn't have time for? Was there any thoughts that hit the cutting room floor? You know, uh, one of the things about preaching from John 
is that it is so rich and so broad that you have to be careful to watch out for the tendency to get out of it something that may not have been there in the first place, but Hmm. you can almost make it up. And so in, in this, I felt like I, I just didn't have enough time to explore how, and you'll see this as the story goes on, how some people fall more in love with the wine than they do with the winemaker. <laughs> Interesting. You know, that there are, there's a sense in, in, in which um, John is calling people to love the wine, to enjoy the day, to rejoice at the feast, but to focus on what you might learn from only the winemaker, what, what uh, Francis Schaeffer used to call upper story love, the, the, the love that is deeper and higher than the, the idea that I like chocolate and I like pumpkin pie, and it's not like one's good and one's better. We have to watch out that we don't start falling in love with the taste of the wine instead of saying, who brought this wine to the table? Interesting. And Interesting. quite literally. I love wine. So it just, it's just a good reminder for me, too, to think about. You have about. found your spot in Northern California. You are in, you are in the right place. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so as you were preparing for this message, was there anything that maybe you wrestled with um, that uh, just kind of struck you differently or maybe um, something that you ended up having to be like, take an inner look at yourself and your life? Well, I, I mentioned the idea that you can use the Gospel of John as an excuse for your own message instead of what's already in there. And so I think that it calls for a, a careful reading and, frankly, an exploration of what other preachers and scholars through the ages have gotten out of this to make sure that you're not wandering off into something where it's just become an excuse for what uh, you wanted uh, to do. So as I tried to see what's at the heart of this story, it seemed to me that it was a picture of Jesus himself learning to love at a different level, Hmm. almost stepping into his adulthood and his calling. And as he did that, not only did he grow in that, but everybody around him was touched, even if they'd known him for years. Uh, the, the the same old way. I wanted to try to find a theme in this winemaker that would be true to John and frankly relevant to an audience that often has uh, too much wine and too many different kinds of wine and <laughs> thinks about ra- that rather than the winemaker. Interesting. I'm curious if there's um, specific commentaries or specific people, uh, specific preachers, you know, monks, priests, whatever, that you are like your go-to people when you're preparing for a sermon. Um, what does that look like? Who, who are your, do you have people or do you have just random Google search or how does that look for you? Well, one of the challenges with uh, coming here was that I had to leave 90% of my library back home. <laughs> oh yeah. And that, that was okay because I brought with me uh, a couple of different commentary series, and mm. one of which is called uh, the Communicator's Commentary. And it is uh, a distillation of some of the deep academic stuff to focus on what matters in the here and now. And I have found 
the different communicators, uh, one for each book, with very different styles. And that was great. This, this particular one, The Gospel of John, is by a preacher from Illinois called Kent Hughes, who actually was the editor of the Communicators series. And I have loved his imagination. And, and I think imagination is important as you try to wrestle uh, with the text. And even more important, because you don't want to end up just informing people. You want to engage them. And frankly, that means, just like you guys are doing here, it's helpful to come to the text, but it's even more helpful to come back to the text and realize that your view of it had grown even while it stayed the same. And we want to do that again and again uh, with the incident of the water into wine. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's seemingly like you, you read over the text, you have initial thoughts, then you read over again, you have more thoughts. And that is just a continual process as you're preparing for a message. John, the magic question, if you had more time for your message, what would you have included? Uh, I, I, I remember um, a speaker when I had just become a Christian and I was in college and he came and spoke at the chapel and his name was Stuart Briscoe, a famous English-British Marine. And uh, Briscoe said, it is the height of arrogance to think that you can study a text and speak about it and they will not only hear the text and understand the text and apply the text, but they will get the same thing out of it than you do, that you do. And mm. so there is that sense in which you have to keep coming back, mining the text uh, for something that, that you could have gotten. So, mm. for instance, I think that this is the first of the interactions that shows Jesus's relationship with his family. Uh, Rarely is Joseph mentioned as uh, we get past the birth narratives, but his brothers and his mom are there. And here is something that we ought to just stop. And if I had more time, I probably would have looked at that because I felt like I was learning too. How do you raise a child who can turn water into wine? Yeah, really. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Any other lingering thoughts um about the passage or about the message or even about lent as a whole anything you'd like to share yeah that's great um i i i think jess um uh, again one of my uh one of my mentors uh, said uh when looking at the bible remember last words are meant to be lasting words they're said hmm. last so that you will dwell on them we're at the mm. other end here, and these are first words, and I've come to believe that first words really set the tone for what's to come. And if the first incident we see in the Gospel of John is John having Jesus not harangue people or make people feel guilty, but giving them the wine of life, the wine of joy, the, uh, the abundance of life, then that's got to be core to the story as as it as it unfolds and um and and i i guess i feel like luther often came to that he he had a series called god on tap <laughs> and uh because you know in the beer uh world of of his day 
there was a connection between the great feeling you have, whether it's wine or liquor or, or, or beer, and the sense of there's just a hint in here, a whiff of what life is meant to be. That, um, that John is going to say, Jesus wants to give you life in all of its fullness. Don't settle for the old stuff. Yeah, don't settle for the crappy wine, you know. Go for the good stuff. <laughs> so weird that I keep bringing it back to actual wine. Yeah. That, do I have a problem? <laughs> yeah, you're bringing it back to wine, and I'm still thinking about last words or lasting words and what that's doing <laughs> and my to last my words, theology. And my lasting words are about wine. Yeah. Great. That's just shows exactly. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, well, glad I could do it. I hope this ends up being a, a helpful tool uh, for the folks out there who are trying to chew on God's word and then maybe even more let some of it come inside and yeah. uh and, and take that what uh St Augustine called called it the sacred journey from my head to my heart mm. and I mm. I hope that we'll let people do that uh, with the gospel of John this lenten season. Yeah, absolutely. And just maybe pastorally if you want people to really soak in all that lent has to offer are there any tips or any way that you would like our congregation, the people that are hearing this, how would you encourage them to let this all soak in? I mean, we have some amazing resources like the Lent guidebook, we have life groups, we have cookbooks, and we have questions around the table. Is there any one of those that you're particularly excited about? Or maybe as people are hearing your message, how would you like to encourage them to apply it during this season? I guess the, the two things that came to mind as you were asking that, Mark, were uh, the idea of return, that hmm. we learn more when we return to the text because we've heard the first word, and now we hear the second word different because of the first word. And, yeah. and so I, I would encourage people to use the devotional book or other helps to return to something that they heard in church. And that, that's the first thing. The second hmm. thing was I believe that we are called to listen to God's word together mm. because I learn so much different what God would have to say uh, because I am not your age anymore. And I hear God speak different uh, from Jess than I do from Scott Pombush because uh, women see things differently than men do. And we ought to rejoice in that instead of being mm -hmm. threatened by it. So those two things, return to it again and get a fresh insight. And second, Share with other people what you're hearing and listen for what God is saying through them. Good way to start, at least. That's so great. Yeah. yeah that, that, I mean, that's kind of what we're all about, is approaching things thoughtfully and being in community and parsing out those thoughts that you have. So, And that church isn't always on Sundays. I mean, only on Sundays, you know? Absolutely. And that's mm -hmm. when you return. It's not just return and listen to the sermon again. It's listen to this dig into the devotional, join a life group, and we have all those resources for everybody. So it's, I think it's just another great way to express, um, you know, what the church actually is. It's not just a building or a computer on Sundays. Mm -hmm. It's, it's daily. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for the time, guys. Yeah, no problem, thanks, John. Sean. Thank you. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Our hope here is that this really just helps you connect deeper to our Around the Table series. We have an awesome devotional for you to help you draw near to Jesus through scripture, prayer, and conversation with others. And we really want to encourage you to check that out. We have hard copies available at all of our campuses, or you can download the PDF at menlo.church/lent. 
There's also some fun family activities as well as recipes and other ways that you connect with each other. And Jess and I here at the Online Church would love to connect with you this week. If you need prayer or encouragement, just text us. Text our online team at 650-600-0402. Or if you can't get one of the physical copies of our booklets, if you're out of the area, we'd love to mail you one. So reach out if you'd like one. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. And this was Menlo Midweek.